welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so pissed because this is my second time because my computer crashed recording this intro. So I'll be briefer. But what I said initially, I'll say again, uh, welcome to the last episode of 2022. Unless I get some time sensitive special episode that needs to come out. Uh, the 26th and January 2nd will be uh, will be reruns. I'll still put an episode out. Uh, probably an older one that maybe you haven't heard, depending on when you started listening. So still worth a listen. I'll try to pick a couple good ones uh, for you. Uh, but uh, if you don't stay tuned to the postscript, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I'll be back in 2023 with episode 111. Uh, got already two guests lined up for this upcoming week before Christmas. So we will have those uh, locked and ready to go in 2023. Uh, but hey, just to be safe, make sure you're following me on the socials uh, so that if something happens and I release a special episode, you know about it. Because if it's a special episode, it's got to be special um, or some something like that. Uh, all right. Today's episode is awesome. Uh, I talk with Rob Stennett. Uh, Stennett. Can't say his damn name right, even though I've heard him say it 50 times uh, on his podcast, The Meaning of the Movie. Uh, Rob is an award-winning author and filmmaker. He has uh, a lot of experience breaking down stories, and he also coaches his breast breast coaches his breasts. Uh, he co- coaches best practices in storytelling. Although, if anyone needs a breast coach, I'm I'm willing to to try to learn. Uh, ew, going off the rails. Uh, this is what happens when you have to record an intro a second time. Thanks, computer. Uh, Rob and I have a fun talk, um, you know, from talking in the beginning. I know we talk about uh, how difficult it is to Christmas shop for your children as they get older. Uh, We talk a lot about writing, my personal kind of writer's block issues. Uh, Gives me a little coaching on that that I think is probably helpful to anyone uh, in the creative field, his advice. Um, We talk a lot about movies. Uh, I listened to his podcast, The Meaning of the Movie. The first episode I listened to was around Thanksgiving time. That's when uh, I wanted to get Rob on my podcast. Uh, they did an episode on planes, trains, and automobiles, a movie I love, pretty much the only Thanksgiving-themed movie that I know of. Uh, and then they also had a rerun of the Die Hard where they debate whether it's a Christmas movie and maybe changed my mind on that matter. But listen to the podcast. You'll enjoy it. I I all but promise you uh, it's a good time. And then, uh, you know, make sure you follow Rob and uh, the meaning of the movie, uh, that podcast, you know, listen to the episodes of movies you like or maybe ones that you watched and you didn't like and and uh, give it a listen. It's interesting stuff. I love breaking down film like that. Um, you know what helps when you're watching a movie? I guess it depends what movie. It's a little bit of liquor. And this time of the year, it's really cool. So that's why I encourage my listeners to go to Flaviar. This is the club you'll be telling your friends about. Taste exciting craft and premium spirits. Access exclusive drinks and learn the ways of a true whiskey aficionado. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself with a personal home bar from the best of bourbon, scotch, rum, gin, or tequila. 
and heaps of story to tell. Use the link in the show notes below to get the special discount for being a listener of the Jeff Macalino podcast. Also, if you're doing your shopping, your grocery shopping for your Christmas meal or whatever the heck you're shopping for, make sure you download Ibotta. Ibotta is the uh, cashback shopping app that earns you money back for purchases you're already going to buy. Just download the app using the link below so you get a special introductory deal and start earning money back when you buy your groceries or other things like liquor. Uh, And, uh, you know, hell, I'll be honest. I think I've made more money from using the app and getting cash back than I have from their sponsorship. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't tell them I said that. Uh, But maybe that's a good endorsement of the app. Uh, More so... Well, whatever. Uh, Download the app. Use the link below so they know I sent you and you get the special deal. All right. Enjoy the episode with me and Rob Stennett. And uh, stay tuned for the postscript because it's the last time you'll hear me, except for the intro and outro I record for December 26th and January 2nd in 2022. All right. Enjoy. All right, everybody, I am now very pleased to, gr- to welcome Rob Stinnett to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Rob? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I am good. Thank you. Um, we're, uh, we're entering into the Christmas season, and this episode's coming out the week before Christmas. Um, and I'm actually recording it not too long ahead of time, so I'm excited. That's right. <laughs> we're in the Christmas spirit here. Yes. Yeah, it's... Uh, once my my birthday was yesterday so i'm oh, happy two, birthday thank you i'm I'm two weeks before jesus so it's always <laughs> like all right once my birthday hits it's like all right eh, gotta start getting those presents under the tree now <laughs> that's great yeah so it's a good uh it's a good it's a good reminder to me if people start wishing me happy birthday it's like uh-oh i'm not ready for christmas yet <laughs> like i haven't done my shopping yet <laughs> yeah oh boy now those Amazon things take a little longer this time of year to show up. So, <laughs> Seriously, man, I was at the mall yesterday and I was like, oh, every year I kind of forget how to Christmas shop. And then I'm like, oh, I need to think about Amazon. How do I navigate the mall? And I, I would think it'd get easier, but I don't know. It just feels more intimidating, if anything. Yeah. And, and my kids are um, at the age and level of being spoiled that they don't like want anything. Dude. It's like... What do you want for Christmas? I don't know. What? <laughs> I literally took my kids yesterday and gave them put phones in their hand. And I was like, why don't you take some things, pictures of things that you want? Just because I'm like, I need to help. Like, I'm going to buy you presents. Like, I'm going to like pay money and put it under a tree. And all you have to do is take a picture. I, f- I mean, this makes me feel like old man Stennett, but like my parents <laughs> never did anything like that. Like, I had to like beg and plead for toys. And they're like, I don't know. I don't really want anything. I'm like, no, Christmas magic. We got to figure this out. So I feel you, man. I feel your pain. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter is almost 13. So it's like, I want clothes. I'm like, they're not going (laughs) to like the clothes I pick out for you. (laughs) We'll see how this goes. Makeup. Okay. I I don't use makeup. So you're, (laughs) we'll see what ends up. (laughs) I feel Uh, you. Yeah. That's uh, if only it was as simple as jingle all the way. I know, there, man. There's the first Christmas movie reference. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's such a like, oh, that's what I want Christmas to be. It's like one 
present. I mean, there's a couple of Christmas movies that are made based off that, right? Like a Christmas story. It's like, I want the red rider, you know, BB gun rifle or jingle all the way. He's like, I want turbo man. I think is what it's called. (laughs) I want turbo man. Like, and so it's like, okay, there's a clear mission, a clear goal. There's a lot of crazy stuff to get to that thing, but at least you're like laser locked on like, this is the thing that I need. Yeah. I, I would rather one near impossible present to get than I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but so, such is the life. That's uh, my daughter had an orthodontist appointment. And the guy said, if, if you could have one Christmas present and only one, everything else you got under the tree went to, went to charity. What would that one thing be? Both my kids. Uh, uh, I'm like, yeah, easy to shop for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have four daughters and um, all the, like my youngest one really knows what she wants. So she's like magical. She knows what she wants and it's great. And then as they get older, it gets more and more. It's kind of like a video game. It's like each one of them is a little <laughs> bit more challenging a little by my oldest one. It's like, she doesn't even know what she wants. You know, you, you either have to do something really, really grand and impressive. And even that probably backfires or you just guess and it's okay. But yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, good uh, metaphor. The the boss level of the, yeah. <laughs> of the video like, yeah. I remember when boss. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I could buy a hundred dollars worth of Marvel action figures and it would be like, I'm in heaven. Right, <laughs> now it's right. like, well, okay. I don't play with toys. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Uh, well, Rob, uh, you you uh, you do a couple things, and uh, we're definitely going to get to the podcast probably sooner rather than later. Uh, I love it. Uh, the meaning of the movie is the name of the podcast. Just to throw that out there at the start. Um, but I want to talk to you too. I mean, you're 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 an author, filmmaker. Um, you you coach people uh, in storytelling. Uh, yeah. and I believe story eyes is the yeah, name, story eyes. the, the name of the company. Um, I'm, I'm interested you. So I know you went to UCLA or I believe yeah. you went to UCLA. I'm, That's I'm, correct. I'm <laughs> going off memory here. So it's, it's, it's shaky. Uh, especially since I haven't drank in five days. I mean, I'm, I'm basically mush up there right now. <laughs> You're doing great, Jeff. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Um, so uh, did you go at UCLA? Did you study film or? I did. I was an English undergrad. So I went to University of Colorado for English. And then I really felt like, ah, I, I was thinking like, maybe I'd be a teacher or maybe I'd be a professor, but I was like, I want to tell stories ultimately. And so I had this like filmmaker thing in me and I was like, I really want to go to UCLA and study screenwriting. And so I kind of put my application together and I was like, you know what, if I get in, I'm going to go for it. And I got in and um, I was like, all right, I'm going to UCLA to study, you know, and I, I liked studying film overall. But for me, like what makes me tick is like the story, how it's put together, how all the pieces come together, like the master plan behind it. That's always what I was most fascinated about. So that's why I went to UCLA and studied. Gotcha. And I know you at least did. Uh, uh, I know you you won some award for, for a documentary, correct? Is that like correct. the first thing you did? Uh, yeah, I made a documentary um, called The Priest's Son, which is like we actually like filmed it in Africa. Uh, I'd never been to Africa before, but got to kind of recreate this story about this um, guy who his dad was like this kind of like voodoo priest. And he his dad wanted to kill him and he ran away and then he like came back to the village and like re- like 
reconvened with his dad and had this kind of like cinematic, like getting back together forgiveness. And so anyway, I had heard this story from a friend and like, I was like, man, that'd be so cool. So we went out there to film it and then turned out really well. So we submitted it to some festivals and it ended up winning some tellies. Um, and I was really proud of it. Um, that's kind of how I got my start. Yeah. And, and documentaries, I mean, that one sounds like you kind of knew what you were getting into. Um, and I don't know how, how many you did, but I was, I was talking to somebody about an idea for a documentary earlier. And uh, I was like, well, I don't think we need to know what story we're going to tell going in. I think we, we start talking to people and the story maybe should present itself. We should, we should feel compelled to follow a storyline based on that or it's just not interesting enough to to be a documentary um i don't know if that's a. I I guess there's two ways you can go about it right so the way that i would look at it is like it's kind of like a science experiment remember doing science experiments in elementary school the first Mm -hmm. thing they made you have was a hypothesis right and so with the hypothesis it was like hey this one question you know like if i water my plants with coke what will happen And then you have to like have a hypothesis. I think it'll kill the plant or I think it'll make the plant grow faster, you know, whatever that is. So you have this kind of core hypothesis going into it. And then your documentary either proves or disproves it. And so that's what I would say to a documentary filmmaker is like, it is something that you're like discovering real time, but you have to have an angle or an idea or something that you're like, all right, this is the story that I think I'm trying to tell. You may end up telling a very much different story, but you at least have to have that hypothesis or that core idea. If you're like, I'm just going to film something and see what will happen, you can do it, but it's so much more hard. And so what I'd recommend is like, I think that's kind of what we had with our story, which is like, hey, I think this will be a story about like forgiveness and that sort of thing. And then as you're doing interviews, it's, you know, you're kind of chipping away at it real time and you're learning all of this different stuff. But that kind of core idea is what brought us through all the way through the story. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a that's a very smart way of explaining it, uh, and and that makes makes a lot of sense. I've never explained that like that before in my life, Jeff. That was like made up on the spot, and so but you that kind of like sparked something to me. It's like no, you're not like just making it up as you go, but you kind of are. But you have to have something that anchors you, and so the yeah. science experiment thing like clicked to me. Yeah, yeah, my science experiments were never good, but I got by. <laughs> I I did. I was just when you're saying that you were talking about plants growing. I did one where with different type playing different types of music to the plants uh, help them. Uh, will will they grow differently? Um, interesting enough idea. Uh, except for all my plants died because I didn't water them much. <laughs> I I was always really bad at science experiments, and then when my kids, you know, you have to start helping them with their science experiments. So I felt like I got better at it because, you know, as a parent, you do half the thing. So I was trying to make my kids do everything. But we live in Austin, Texas. And my daughter, we did this experiment, which was like, if the zombie apocalypse happened, where's the best source of natural water in Austin? So we went to every lake and every river and tested like the acidities and pH levels and that sort of stuff and found like, where's the most drinkable water that you would find if the zombie, and that ended up going to like, city fair and all that sort of stuff and so it was really fun but we had that like one central question which really made the story come to life and i think my experience as a filmmaker actually helped my daughter be a better scientist which is a weird <laughs> a weird no. thing that those two things would talk to each other no it make it makes a lot of sense because only i feel like that's something like only a a, a creator 
a filmmaker, something like that would even come up with that premise of zombie apocalypse where are we get in our water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that that is something that's like, you know what, that that just sounds like yeah. Not that I would come up with it, but it's like, yeah, I feel like that's the the, the good way to to actually be motivated. To, yeah, my daughter it. loved it because then the the poster board was all like theme themed and that sort of stuff, so it got to be fun and a little spooky. But the judges liked it because they're like, oh, that's a real practical, real life practical application of science, and so that's a great you know way to ask a practical question. Yeah, Joe Rogan probably wants to know because hey, you know he's he's got to be prepared. He's probably got his own well or something. That... <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> but Joe, if you're listening, I can send you the results and let you know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Austin. Um, and maybe it's just because I I listen to a lot of things in the co- comedy realm, but uh, sure seems like Austin is booming. Uh, and I I guess I mean I guess it kind of was before joe rogan but uh the comedy scene it sounds like certainly is booming down there is it is it is it nice or is it almost like all right too many transplants now (laughs) well over the last i've lived here about eight years and it's like the skyline you look at it from like 2012 to 2022 and it's like a different city like you could put them side by side and you'd barely know they're the same the skyline has grown so much the city's grown so much but for me like I like there's a purpose to it. Like I, there is, they do the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. There's different comedians who come and they actually really like cultivate a place for comedians. There's South by Southwest and ACL. And so they're cultivate a place for mu- musicians. And so what I appreciate about Austin is it's a city. Some cities are like, ah, we don't know what to do with artists or whatever else. Austin is like, man, let your freak flag fly. Like all the artists come here, create, do something. And so that's what I it's a boom of people and that's kind of a blessing and a curse in many ways. But I like the reason it's booming is because creatives are coming here to create. And so I'm like, ultimately that's where I want to be is a place that like invites them and curates creativity. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a well, well said. <laughs> it it does seem to have a purpose. Um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, with my audience and people who know me, I'm, becoming infamous for having uh i'm someone who who comes up with great ideas uh generally great starts to stories sometimes i know the finish to the story uh i get writing you know if if i if i minimize my screen here i've got one two three four five six and i just started a seventh uh basically screenplay uh one is more of a television idea i think it needs to be episodic it can't can't fit in one in a in a movie um they're all i would say except for the one i just just started literally today they're all between 10 to to 60 percent complete and uh (laughs) i usually get get to the point where i'm like all right I'm, i'm not sure what to what to plug and then where my biggest problem comes in I then think, all right, I'm just going to start on this while this thing's festering on the back burner. I get to the same point, and then and then going back to that thing that was, you know, you got 70 pages. I want to get 120. That you know, 70 pages isn't enough. I need to I need to figure right. out the the connective tissue here of the story. I might have the start, finish, and even the middle. I just need the the you know in betweens. Um, as a storyteller, um, 
is is I, I think I've been given the advice by somebody, which I think is probably smart, is don't move on to another project. If you can't think of it, just let that project fester. Let the other stuff just sit, you know, make a note that you'll work on it next. But don't start working on it until you're actually done or 99% done with the, uh, you can always go back and do minor things here or there, but yeah, yeah. get the story done. And before you move on, is that maybe the, the best piece of advice or what are your thoughts? Well, I just have a bunch of follow-up questions. First of all, sure. fascinated <laughs> that you have six or seven uh, and those percentages done. What makes you fall off? What, what get makes you, gets you to the point where you're like, ah, this is toast or I need to put it on the back burner. As you said, like, where does that moment happen? Uh, it depends on the project, honestly. Um, the the first one that I started, honestly, was based on a dream I had. Okay. And it was very easy because 10 pages came out just from what I had dreamt. And then, mm. you know, I dreamt kind of the plateau of the of the story. Okay. So it was real easy for me to then jump into the beginning and write the backstory of how we got here and all this. Um the ending, I think, of that one was the biggest problem is it's like I've got this got this great buildup, but I don't know how to finish it uh, in a natural way. Um, so I thought, I'll, I'll think of it. Let me work on this thing that so sometimes it's it's never the beginning. It's always the. It's it's either the ending or it's I know I know everything's three acts in my head. It's always like five. In my right. head, it's always like the start, the finish, the 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 juicy middle peak, but then there's the in betweens, like the two and the yeah. fours, and that's where I have the other problem is the two and the four. It's like I need to need to tie it together and be interesting, but I feel like I've got the start, the middle, and the end. It's just not long enough. <laughs> so I think it's a common problem of like there's something that like attracts you to a story, and then there's enough pieces that are there, but then there's like the glue doesn't take you all the way through and you get stuck. There's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to writing. One, I call it like the Stephen King school of thought. And he talks about like writing is like driving at nights with, with your headlights on. So he's like, you just see, like you don't see the whole road. You just kind of see what's in front of you. And then you write that. Then you get a little bit further down the road and then you see what's in front of you. And that's one school of thought. He also explains it like, it's kind of like, unearthing a fossil like you're like okay i'm kind of like dusting it off and like oh that's a jawbone and oh there's an eye there and so that's one school of thought which is like i call it like the fly by the seat of your pants and it sounds like that's what you're doing where it's like hey i have this moment i have this scene i have this sequence and for me as a writer for a long time that's what i was because i was the same way man i would see a moment and i was like dang it that's a story and boom i'm like at the computer going over the last like couple of years i've become a much more like structure guy just because I've had so many painful experiences of like, I'm stuck. It's almost like you're digging yourself into a pit. And then all of a sudden you're like, I've gotten so deep. There's no ladder to get me out. Like I'm kind yeah. of stuck with this story. Um, and so that's where I recommend like structuring it more. So I guess my biggest advice to you would be like, structure your story all the way through. Like find of all those seven, find your favorite one. Like if I said, Hey, I'm going to let you pitch to the actor of your dream. One of these stories, which one are you going to pitch and which one like draws your heart or like you're the most excited about. And maybe the one that you just started this morning, or maybe one, you know, three scripts ago, but what do you think like is your best story? And then I would go from there and say, 
right, you need to structure it really well. I think of like Blake Snyder wrote this book called Save the Cat. Um, and he talks about there's, you talked about five acts. He actually talks about 15 points that happen along a screenplay. And it's really helpful to just go in and fill in even like a one sentence of what each one of those 15 points are. Mm. Um, and then the other one is Jill Chamberlain does this book called The Nutshell Technique. And it's just a, like a one page, your story in one page. And it gives you kind of the highs and lows and the twists and turns. And so I would say like of any of those scripts, I'd pick your favorite one and the one that you're like, okay, this is the one that I believe in. This is the one that I'm taking to the bank. And then I would work on the, like those two authors, like I can send you links or we can even put links in the show notes, but like those would be the two authors that I would recommend just to like structure your story out because that's where it becomes less fun and a little bit more work where it's like, all right, I'm really thinking through the mechanics of it. But again, it's kind of like, okay, once I answer these questions well, I'll have the glue that actually takes me through this idea that I think really works and why it works. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I will, uh, I'll check those out because yeah, it sounds like those, those both address the exact issue uh, that I'm having. It just, you know, a little more structure would be helpful. And, and structure actually frees you. Like for me, I was like, I don't want structure because I don't <clears> want <throat> it to be predictable. I don't right. want it to be boring. But then what you realize is you're like, oh, these things don't work. This thing that happened in the beginning doesn't make sense, or I don't really know how to end it. And so then really having something like that, that helps you put all the pieces together, actually helps you make a more surprising and interesting story. So I want you to like get those books, work on it, and then next time we'll talk about your full completed uh, screenplay <laughs> that you have. <laughs> Good. Yes, I will... Uh... That'll be a goal of mine. I have a I have a blessing and a curse. I've I've talked about this to people before, where I have extremely vivid dreams, uh, and a hmm. lot of times they're so vivid and interesting that it's like, all right, it's I came up with it, I guess, in my subconscious, whatever. It's it's mine, <laughs> it, even though I don't think I worked for the idea. It still came, you know, somehow it came in my brain uh and uh yeah that's the that's the uh a lot of times where i get the great like okay i've got the got the main thing here for this story now i need to build out <laughs> um but yeah that's and how, the often, other part, how often do you have those vivid dreams like is it every night is it like once a month like when i do not drink as i as i can attest to the last few days uh every night um actually that is literally I've, I've and i've talked to people about like lucid dreaming and astral projection and stuff about this and they'll be like no stop drinking just you gotta suffer through because i'm like i can't sleep at night because the dreams are so vivid i'm up every wow. hour um so drinking just like in real life uh you know it takes it from here down to here and if i drink enough it's just you know it's just yep. nothingness um so it's I, I've I've learned to uh, go through the the bad dreams a little bit better without waking up. Uh, <laughs> although, I, or I've been better at waking up and going back to sleep. But part of the problem is a lot of times they're disturbing dreams that I don't yeah. want to stay in. <laughs> um, so no, yeah, I have them all the time. It's uh, uh, I even uh, intentionally. Uh, on weekends, I don't have the kids. Friday afternoons, I intentionally take like a two-hour nap 
because I know I'm going to have a crazy far out dream because wow, I'm I'm sober and I always will have a crazy dream. They're not always anything that's going to be something I can write about, but it's like I might strike gold in a dream. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why it's it comes together in there. <laughs> well, I do think I mean, one, that's fascinating. And I do think like you really having those dreams again and then giving yourself a space to like write about it makes sense that may really help your writing. And so if you can find the books, get the structure, keep those dreams going and then, uh, but use that to fuel your art. Like that's really cool, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I feel like I was talking to a writer on here and I'm like, feel like I'm cheating, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it is me. So <laughs> it's not like I'm getting dreams fed to me. Well, I guess nobody really knows where dreams come from, but <laughs> Hey man, use whatever you can. All writers cheat, so whatever way you want to cheat, like go for it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I, you know, Michael Jordan was better than everyone at basketball. He still had to work at it to be great, but you know, maybe it's just a gift. <laughs> it's a gift, dude. I like that. <laughs> um, so we've been talking a lot about writing, writing movies, and uh, I actually just finished. Uh, I was in my first feature film. It's not out yet. Um. <laughs> When, when that comes out, I'll definitely send it to you. I did not send it write my it. way, man. <laughs> I just acted in it. I, I, I was in a lead role, though. Uh, it was nice. a comedy. Um, definitely, I will say it was great to be a part of it um, as an actor. To, I mean, seeing the mechanics of how the movie yeah. is made is, is something else. Um, that, you know, even sitting and writing is, is something you, you, a lot of the scripts I've been working on, I, after a day of shooting would go in and start tweaking things like, all right, let's, this, this is impossible to shoot this way. There's no way this is going to be shot in the way that I wrote it. And it, which I think it, it helped a little bit as a writer. Sure. Uh, yeah. Getting on set and seeing, okay, how does this actually translate? How are they actually using words on pages to film something like that really helps you because ultimately this probably sounds like Captain Obvious, but all a script is is two questions. Can you see it? Can you hear it? And if it doesn't answer those two questions, I tell this to writers all the time. I'm like, you know, Jeff feels bad. I'm like, I don't, how do I know that, you know, Jeff feels bad? Rob gets angry. Like, how do I know? Rob takes his podcast microphone and throws it at the screen. Okay, that I can see, <laughs> you know, I can see the shot. And so like, but again, getting on set and seeing how that actually works, like that's cool to like be there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it also, it also helps looking at, at the script, you know, this is somebody, the guy who wrote it's directed nine movies, I think. Um, and, and seeing his script and being like, I need to make my lines shorter. Nobody, no. I'm like, it, this is how people actually, you know, shoot the movie. It's like, this is how people actually talk. Uh, uh, podcasts, people can talk for three minutes at a time and it's not abnormal. Uh, in real life, unless someone's telling a story, it's usually one, 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 you know, it's a sentence or two. It's not yeah, back and forth. monologue, 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 monologue. No, I mean, you see in a movie, someone goes and sits down at a diner. If you've ever had like lunch with someone, it takes like an hour to get to what you like brought them to lunch at. In a movie, they get sit down in a diner. They're like, why did you have the affair? Like, it's just boom, like, right. Yeah. Like, whatever it is give me the secret microphone, whatever they're trying to do. It, boom. It's right there. You know? And it's people like, Oh, my dialogue doesn't sound like real life. I'm like, movies are not real life. Like 
watch someone on TikTok moving the camera around if you want real life, but movies are like sharper and crisper yeah. and cleaner in that sort of way. That's you know I uh, thinking about it the only the only hacky writing bit on Breaking Bad may have been the scene where they were at the the Mexican restaurant and uh, the waiter coming up but they're in the middle of something we'll, we we're okay for now. Come, they do that in every movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's that's the only thing in Breaking Bad that I feel like was not like an original thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, like that bit. <laughs> that's my favorite show of all time. It's nearly yeah. flawless, but that is probably the one flawed scene where you're like, okay, <laughs> I've seen this in a hundred different scenes. Yeah, I had never thought about that until now, but that's that absolutely, and it's my favorite show too. It's just, it's, yeah, it is, it is, uh, it is what every every TV show should strive to be. Um, my biggest qualm and uh the the your podcast obviously is the meaning of the movie but yeah. to, to touch on tv which is obviously you know it's next door neighbor um like the walking dead i don't know if you watched it or if you did I how did. long you, yeah. you 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 did but um i i binged it the, the first i don't know five six seasons and then i watched it since then and frankly i didn't enjoy most of at least a few seasons but i'm yeah. like well I, now i just want to see how it ends and uh the finale of that show there was no ending it was it was a okay we got three spinoff shows if you want to know what happens next you got to watch them and i was just like fuck you fuck amc <laughs> amc which made the greatest show of all time right and it's prequel right. which i think is also fantastic better Amazing. call Saul. i love it it's like this is such a to me you start a show you better have an ending to the show breaking bad had it's a beautiful start and an end now yep. they they so had did better the, call Saul. so did better call Saul, and they still you know they had the el camino movie which right. but they still ended the story with breaking bad if nothing else came after that last episode everyone would have said this is everyone still does of course but everyone would have said this is the greatest piece of of art we've ever seen um the other stuff just you know adds layers to right things um without detracting from the original source material um which is imp impressive also but um yeah, they, that that ending to The Walking Dead, I was I was I was ready to 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 go punch someone in the face. I was like, I just you needed to end the series, you yeah. know, just end the series. Don't be like where you know. Ah, oh, I'm so infuriated. No, it, it was malpractice so, to me. <laughs> yeah, it's so unsatisfying because you're like, no, that is literally cheating. It's almost like a violation of like. The agreement between like viewer and artist, which is like, hey, I'm here to tell you a story. And then you're like, it's one thing to leave it open-ended or whatever else. But like another thing of like, hey, we're using this to spin off other things. That let, it's like, I feel like I've been watching a commercial for 10 seasons versus mm -hmm. like a real story. And Walking Dead, when it started, that pilot is one of my all-time favorite pilots. I just think it's breathtaking. Him riding the horse in the city, all that sort of stuff. Um about i think i stopped watching it when glenn was killed like that episode where they killed glenn. and i was just like okay but the reason why for me wasn't that it was too violent but i was like they're just spinning their wheels it was kind of like all right we're gonna do the same thing and we're gonna i was like they don't, they've run out of story they don't have mm -hmm. it's just like all right we're gonna new bad guy a new clan that's coming in and new whatever else and we're gonna spin it again in a different way 
where the first few seasons I was like, oh, this is a more complete story. It's Rick and Shane and what's going on there. And then eventually it's just like they ran out of story and eventually literally like killed all their characters who you're connected to practically. Yeah. Well, in the last episode, I even uh, I was talking to my dad about it and I'm like, he was talking about uh, the scene. I, I guess it was a part of the show where he's like, oh, they showed Rick at the end. And I'm like, oh, was that actually the episode or was that a commercial? I couldn't, I thought it was oh a commercial gosh. for a show. And I'm like, was that actually the episode? <laughs> I I still don't really know. I was so angry. I didn't really go back to, to find out for sure. But I'm like, I thought that, I thought that was a commercial I watched. I didn't, I thought the show <laughs> ended already. Um, and that's how, I mean, that, if that doesn't tell you how, how bad, I mean, look, the, the other thing to me is, similar to breaking bad the story was walter white from beginning to end uh rick was obviously the story i get he you know the actor wanted to not be doing the role i think for i I think he made it his life um so i i get that he wanted off the show but they made it clear he did not die when he went off the show right and then they finished the show without really giving any answer as to what happened, I, I guess, except for the thing I thought was an ad for a spinoff show, um, which, again, doesn't really give any answers. It just reminds you, yeah, he's still alive, but we're not telling you anything about it's not the end of his story, which I think would have been the logical way to conclude the series is we told you the beginning of his story. We're going to give you the end of his story. <laughs> Well, and when you read all these structure books that I'm recommending, like it talks about the protagonist and what their arc is and what their journey is. And that's what makes Walter White so great. That's what makes Better Call Saul. Um, Even a show like Lost, which has its detractors, like I think it literally lost its way, but it still is like, okay, Jack Shepard's our guy. He's in the opening shot and he's the last shot and he's going to kind of anchor us through it. And I'm like, once you lose, especially in something like Walking Dead, where it's like, there's so many different things, so many new characters. Once you lose your like central protagonist, then you're like, all right, we're just making new content. We've stopped telling a story and now we're just making new content with a label on it. And to me, that's where TV goes really wrong is it's like, it kind of, it almost violates like what a story should be, which is it has a beginning, middle and end and you're working towards that. But TV kind of cheats it where it's like, oh, we're going to do an end, but oh, then we're going to, you know, twist this new character we're going to bring this new thing and that's why the whole jump the shark thing happens which most tv shows have a moment where it's like okay this is the moment where the tv show is no longer good we've run out of story we've run out of steam and that's what makes breaking bad so amazing it's like they had that kind of central theme hypothesis which was like we're going to go from mr chips to scarface and every season we're just cranking up the knob a little bit more and making walter white worse and worse and worse and telling this complete story Right. And they, they didn't try to drag it. I think that's where, that's where movies, uh, I feel like for a while recently, I gravitated a lot more towards television than movies. Yeah, And I think lately I've actually shifted back probably within the last year or two to being like, movies are so much better because they're not trying to do another season. They're right. they're Even if they plan to have a sequel, that's not generally that's not guaranteed ahead of time right so they need to have a start and a finish and if there's a sequel that's great i mean you know uh, there's some some franchises can pull them off uh not all but but some can pull those off 
but then you can like choose like you're like i'm not gonna go see the new thor movie like that doesn't really look my, my thing right. but i still like the old thor movie like that was fun where like with walking dead you feel or any show that you've been watching you feel like oh i've been committing this amount of time to i need closure like it's like this relationship you need closure in and that's the difference but between tv and for the record like i really like tv shows we've covered a few we covered stranger things uh in our podcast which is a show that i really like like i like tv shows but i do think they're kind of violating what stories do which is like okay how do we squeeze more content about it mm -hmm. and whenever you're using the word content instead of story that's always a red flag to me yeah it, it seems like the the desire to get another season uh trump's the desire to tell a good story um whereas in in a movie even if you want a sequel if it's not a good movie you're not getting a, a sequel um i can and i can't think of aside from and i and this this is one that worked i think pretty i don't know perfectly um i know everyone has a fit but back to the future i think is one where it's like yeah you got to watch the next one i guess the first back to the future if you didn't watch the sequels you probably still would have been satisfied. Um, I know the ending was a cliffhanger, but it still told a whole story in that movie. Yeah, the ending's a cliffhanger, but it's still like just a tacked on epilogue. Really what the story was about was about Marty and his parents. And they right. very clearly like tied the loop in that. They closed the loop so much that George McFly, Crispin Glover, never makes an appearance in any other movie. And he's a key central character. And so they close it so well that then it's like, oh, we're telling other adventures and stories which again is something totally different than like, okay, now this time George and Lorraine are having marital troubles or whatever else. We're going to keep the story going, which is what TV does. Yeah, no, and, and Back to the Future is is one where the sequels worked. I yeah. mean, I, I think the third one's the worst one, but I think it was still a nice bow. But at it's the still end a lot of the... fun, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great time. Yeah. I no, love those I, movies too. Yeah, and that's uh, but that's a a nice just natural. Although I'm sure that those were planned ahead of time. I'm guessing well, they. So I, you might know more about that. <laughs> nerd fact. Now we're in like meaning the movie territory, but nerd yeah. fact is they kind of tacked on that ending as a joke. It was more like ah, this would be kind of funny. Like, and even the first movie didn't say to be continued when the theatrical cut was out. It just kind of ended as like oh. They go on to like have other adventures forevermore. But then that movie smashed records at the box office. Everyone saw dollar signs. And so by the time it went on VHS, which back then was a big deal, like, oh, it's finally on VHS. Then they put that to be continued on the mm. thing. And then they planned the next two movies. So that's how that happened. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. See, this is, this is, this is why your, uh, your, <laughs> your podcast is so interesting. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I think that knowing those details adds so many layers to it does. a movie. And yeah. it's uh the the first episode of of the meaning of the movie that I listened to was uh very recent. It was uh Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. Um, which was a movie I I did not watch that movie. Now I think I don't even know if I was born when it came out, in fairness. I was born in December of eighty-six. Uh, so, it came out 87 so you just so, you just made it yeah so so i was alive but i wasn't watching movies when yeah. <laughs> so i didn't watch that movie until probably five six years ago for the first time um which can be tough to watch a movie that is that old i oh, mean yeah. 
and and there are things that it's so i i watched it i one of my favorite movies um just love the story um it is and and you address this on the on on your podcast it is like the thanksgiving movie yeah kind of the only one um but um i did watch it with my kids a couple years ago and a lot of it i i was old enough that i got a lot of the difficulties they went through my kids a lot of it they enjoyed the humor parts of it but a lot of it was like they didn't understand why you know the you know they couldn't call people or they couldn't use these cards it didn't work. <laughs> why don't you get an uber that will take you there why it, don't you just you know book on orbits your own hotel yeah, like the fact that like you have to book a hotel <laughs> on a payphone and they run out and you don't even know where other hotels are in town like it's so foreign to our kids yeah i'm i'm at least old enough where like i would i would be i i remember spending the night uh with someone at a dorm room and my cell phone died and while well, I was leaving and I needed a ride and I needed to find a payphone right. uh, to use so I could call for someone to come pick me up. Um, and this was pre Uber or anything like that. Like I'm old enough where it's like, I know the difficulty of not being able to actually communicate when you, you need something. Uh, nowadays it would be press a button or walk into any place and say, I need a charger for this phone <laughs> in five minutes, the problem solved. Um, so my kids, though, are are obviously not old enough that they ever experienced anything that was not at the snap of a finger. Right. Um, so luckily, they still enjoyed the movie. But I, I did. I'm like, I wonder how I do wonder how long it's going to translate when 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 my generation dies. <laughs> so I think there's still something timeless about that movie, even though the technology is so much at the forefront, which is traveling is always complicated like they're yeah. like you still your flight gets bumped or gets canceled weather still messes things up you still have cars break down you know there's still you know that and that sort of pressure of just like i i'm so tired of traveling and i just want to get home especially around the holidays i think is such a like universal feeling that until we can like teleport as long as we have machines that are taking us from point a to point b I think it's going to be a universal story that still tracks and some of those stuff will get more and more antiquated, but, and also if you've ever been trapped with another person who just gets on your nerve, that's what makes, that's the magic of the movie, right? Like, it's just like, these are the ultimate odd couple. It's one guy who's like very precise and this is what I want. And this is what I do. And another guy who has no sense of personal space, no sense of like, okay, this guy's checking his watch. I'm checking. He's just jabbering away. And so that odd couple pairing, I think also is what makes the comedy just hit and totally work. It, am I crazy for thinking it, the movie always reminds me of uh midnight run? Oh no, that makes a lot of sense to me. That, 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 that always, and I let my kids watch that too. I didn't, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, f words in it but yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> it's bobby de niro he's gonna you know drop some f-bombs in there but it's another again talk about road trip movies which are a genre that i didn't i don't even think we talked about in the episode that much but um a genre that i really love of this sort of like you know the hangover in a way is like a road trip movie and yeah midnight run and you have like little miss sunshine these movies of like we just have to get to this destination that's still timely. Like those movies are still being made today. 
Yeah, I um, <laughs> this somewhat shifting gears, but staying on topic. I think uh, Vacation's also another one of those movies. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I I I've gotten in fights with people, and uh, I have said that the remake, or it's not even a remake, the new iteration with Ed Helms. I said oh, yeah. it's a hilarious movie. It's worth watching, and everyone scoffs at me. And the few people who I've actually made sit down and watch it said, "All right, it was funny. They they did a good job." <laughs> um, you know more about movies and storytelling and everything. Am I crazy for loving that movie? <laughs> no, I think like first of all, the vac the you know vacation movies are like they're not masterpieces. They're not Hitchcock or anything else right. like that. But they're just so fun. They were irreverent. They were kind of made by just dudes who were like, you know, hanging out, smoking weed, dreaming up ideas like this would be funny and just like wrote a bunch of jokes and just went out with the camera like they barely knew what they were doing. But those movies like Chevy Chase holds those movies together. Harold Ramis directed the very first uh, who plays Egon on Ghostbusters and uh, he directed Groundhog's Day and, you know. Yeah. done a bunch of different things but that's one of his first directorial john hughes who also wrote planes trains and automobile wrote the first vacation but they were just like national lampoons guys like screwing around and so i actually think the newer vacation movie has um some of that just like we're telling funny jokes we're just like we're much more about jokes in the story we're going for it and ed helms is maybe an underrated actor everything he's mm -hmm. in like i'm buying man i from the office to hangover to there's even this movie called Cedar Rapids. I think that he's yeah. in that I really like. And so everything he does, I'm like, it's great. And so I'm, I love that you're defending that movie. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I do think Ed Helms is extremely underrated because he, I mean, he looks the same in everything he's yes, in. Yes, he does. But I never watch him and think, Oh, that's Andy from the, I didn't no. watch hangover and think that's Andy from the office. Not once did it even cross my mind, even though he's obviously the same human being. He looks the same. He sounds the same. He doesn't, you know, doesn't change his appearance or his voice or anything in any movie I've seen. Um, but he he's just blends into that character completely. And you don't think about him in any other roles at all. Yeah, he, I mean, he is like Chevy Chase in that way, right? Where it's like you always know that you're watching Chevy Chase. But when I'm watching Three Amigos... I'm not thinking, oh, that's Clark Griswold. I'm thinking, no, that's Chevy Chase, and he's doing a different character. Ed Helms has that same energy where it's like he's an everyman and he's super funny, but he's also um, always like he's always creating new characters and he's always just he roots it in this kind of central everymanness that I like identify with and track with him. Yeah, it's uh, it's a he is he is criminally underrated, I think, as an actor. Because I can't think of, uh, obviously I haven't seen everything he's done, but I can't think of a thing he hasn't pulled off that I've, uh, e even movies, I, I'm trying to think, Cedar Rapids is one of them, but there was one I remember watching on Amazon Prime that did not have good ratings, uh, and I'm like, I think it's a pretty good movie because Ed Helms pulled it off. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, I've, I've been in a... Um, I think as part of my whole uh, personality, I've been I've been deep diving into the Amazon Prime, like looking at the independent movies as much as possible. I like, love that, man. And, and sometimes, I mean, I watched a movie the other night with John C. Riley and uh, uh, Jonah Hill and Marissa Tomei. 
never heard of this movie but i'm like can't be bad with john c Riley in it and i i thought it was a pleasant uh i think i'm trying to remember if that was a duplass brothers movie or something oh yeah yeah but still it was like i'd never heard of this thing and it it's you know not not something that's highly reviewed or and not because i don't know if it was ever in theaters or or what but uh amazon prime's like a treasure trove for these little movies no one's ever heard of listen man i mean you're you've done acting you're just starting a movie you know like a lot of times there's a lot of talented people who may not get the studio budget or the advertising dollars like advertising dollars do not equal a good movie and sometimes i find that like scrappier lesser known films are ones that i enjoy more one because they're playing out of balance a little bit and two for me it's so enjoyable of just like oh I see the poster, I click on it, I haven't seen a trailer for it, I don't know what's going on, and I'm just totally fresh eyes, like, all right, what's this movie about? Where are we going? Yeah, and, and you have low expect. I mean, you can't have high expectations for a movie yeah. like that. So I think that also helps uh, when when you frame it as, I mean, I've never heard of this thing, but it sounds interesting, it looks interesting enough, I'll, I'll click it and, you know. Yeah, see what happens. I, yeah, I can bail out at 20 minutes if I hate the movie. Right. <laughs> I I had my daughter, I was getting in an argument with my daughter. She was complaining about a movie she watched. And then she told me she watched 20 minutes at a time before she went to bed at her mother's house. And I'm like, well, of course she thought the movie was terrible. You can't watch a movie that way. No. I insist you have to watch from start to finish with no, unless you have to get up and pee or something. You cannot pause the movie and come back to it again. You have to just wait a year and start it from the beginning. That's, I insist, I will never watch half a movie. <laughs> we, we are friends now for you saying that because I totally agree. I'm like, <laughs> it's not like a book that you're like putting down and whatever else. It's like, no, this is meant to be experienced in one sitting. And otherwise you like stop it again. You're like, wait, where was I? What happened in the scene before? And you like lose the gaps versus like, a well-made movie or even a poorly made movie, every single scene that happened, it's like building something that comes together. And mm -hmm. if you like forget pieces or like lose that momentum, it doesn't have the same power. Well, and you, you'll know how, how uneducated in terminology I am, but the, the premise of, if you see the gun in scene one, it's going to be shot at the end yeah. of the movie, whatever that is. Yeah. That's um, Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, it, It's, it's like, if you if you see it in scene one and then you don't watch the rest until 25 days later how are you gonna remember it was there like the where did that gun place? come from <laughs> i didn't know they had a gun you're like no they set that up in act one you know yeah yeah no i i i i get irritated and i get irritated with people when i when they're like let's watch a movie and then halfway through that just start conversation i'm like no i'm i'm in the i i, I need to finish this <laughs> yeah no i can't i can't well, and for me, this is part of the reason I like going to movie theaters still, because like everyone's there, no one else is on their phones, you know, and I go to Alamo Draft House here in Austin and like you literally, you'll get kicked out of the theater if you take your phone out. So it's like, no, we're not talking, we're not texting, we are here to watch this movie and kind of give ourselves over to it. Yeah, I, uh, I like to go to the movie theater by myself. Uh, yeah. No, no kids. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Just some popcorn and some focus, man, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, that's my uh, that's my thing. It's like just just if I have to get up and pee, that's my fault. My kids <laughs> have to get up and pee. Now I'm missing part of a movie. <laughs> um, well, Rob, I uh, time has flown by, but uh, I enjoy the podcast, and I encourage my listeners to check it out. And uh, thanks, man. Uh, 
I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, just, just scroll through the episodes. Obviously I'd say, listen to one that you've seen the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably call it like a spoil spoiler. the movie otherwise. Yeah. We literally call it spoiler filled because you can't talk about what a movie means without really, you know, um, yeah. talking <laughs> normally about how it ends. Right. We just talked about breaking bad and walking dead, but like the meaning comes in the ending often. And so you have to do that. But, um, yeah, for me, I like not just watching movies and like, oh, that was good or not. But I'm like, what is this trying to say? Like, what is it about? And it's weird to like sit down and say, oh, this is what a Quentin Tarantino movie is. I know what it means. But at the same time, like what's more important than talking about like what it means and trying to say and like and we also tell a lot of jokes because I like to tell jokes. So it's it's a fun time too. Yeah. And I, I will say because I, I told you before we started recording, I was listening to your Die Hard episode, <laughs> a, a classic episode. I've always argued it's not a Christmas movie, and I, I don't remember if it was you or someone else, uh, one of your co-hosts on the podcast, who then said, is It's a Wonderful Life a Christmas movie? And I'm like, oh, God damn it. That was me. I said that. <laughs> that's a, And that's a movie I watch every year on Christmas Eve, and I, I cry my eyes out. And uh, But we, I'm like, ah, I guess you got a point. Because... <laughs> Because Andrew and I get in an argument, and I made the argument that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Now, part of it is, like, I think it's the best action movie ever made, and so it doesn't really matter if it's a Christmas movie or not, but I did say it is because it. his wife's name is Holly, it happens at a Christmas Eve party, and the whole thing is this kind of like Prains, Trains, and Automobile, this kind of desire to be reunited with your wife and reunited with your family on Christmas, which is a very classic Christmas movie thing. And just like Scrooge, just like it's a wonderful life. Like ultimately he has to come through an ordeal to become a better person. And so that's the other thing that like, to me makes it a Christmas movie. It's just like, Hey, he has to go through this like Dickens, you know, Charles Dickens, it's a wonderful life nightmare. And then come out on the other side and really appreciate everything he has. Yeah, no, I, well, now, I guess the main thing is, now I'm reconsidering, I guess I could watch It's a Wonderful Life year-round. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess I guess that's true. Don't need to, ice, just like Die Hard, doesn't need to be watched around Christmas time. <laughs> Fourth of July, fire up It's a Wonderful Life, like it's fine. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, Rob, I've had a, a blast talking with you, and uh, uh, yeah, when when my movie comes out, I'll, uh, I'll let you know so you can, you can, uh, well... You can attack the writing. That won't bother me. You can attack my acting. That will. That might be good criticism. I don't know. <laughs> we'll give it love, man. You let me know and we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rob. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. All right. That's it. That's all. Hope you had a ball. Thanks to Rob Stennett for joining me on the podcast. Check out the meaning of the movie podcast about what matters most um yeah you know it's a fun uh fun podcast to listen to and thank you rob for a good time uh maybe uh uh again maybe i'll i'll touch base with him uh maybe after women want everything come out and we'll uh we'll (laughs) well we'll do a review of that or something like that i don't know we'll see uh but thanks anyways to rob uh, for joining me again that that time really did fly when i i told him uh it was about time to wrap up he was also shocked afterwards he noted like "Ooh, i thought we just got started uh so but i like movies and he loves movies so obviously it's, you know it's one of those things you can talk about for 
hours and not realize how much time has passed. So thanks again to <clears throat> Rob for that. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, judging from, you know, last year and uh, even my own listening habits, I'm not going to put out a new episode January 26th. I'm sorry, December 26th. That's the day after Christmas or January 2nd, the day after New Year. Um, but uh, I will put out reruns again. Stay tuned. There's the off chance. I like to monitor when comedians have specials coming out. And obviously I like to time those. So they're as close to when the special comes out as possible. So if something like that happens late in the year, uh, it's obviously an episode you'll want to check out. But if you're subscribed, you'll you'll see the episode. And if you follow me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, one of my friends is going to help coach me on Instagram because I am really, really just not capable of grasping how to use it properly. Um, so, hey, hopefully you'll see some some cool new stuff. I don't know how to do anything on that app besides from just like a generic post. I'm terrible. Terrible. I think I do Facebook okay and Twitter okay, but I don't know. I'm I need a social media manager. I'll, I'll let y'all know when I'm hiring, uh, in case you know somebody. Hey, I hope you checked out last week's episode. I hope you check out a lot of episodes, but uh, I think I'm going to try to transition it to a YouTube video. This will probably be a project I'll work on now that, aside from a couple of interviews, don't really have a lot of production for the podcast to work on for a couple weeks. Uh, so I will probably try to work on putting my lost episode with Donald Trump on YouTube. Uh, thanks to James for the intro and to Gary Maselli for uh, the vocals for Mr. Trump. Uh, but it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, if anyone knows a Joe Biden impersonator, send them my way because I finally got a good a good uh, idea for that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good ideas for that, but I finally got one I want to do. Uh, so... Hey, that's, uh, I, I guess I'll give you an intro and an outro, or at least an intro for my episode December 26th, but, uh, you know, this was a monumental year for uh, the podcast here, and I am so grateful for, for all of you for listening, so in case you don't take the, blue, I'm not even drinking. I actually recorded this episode with Rob completely sober, aside from a little weed I smoked, but that, you know, sober-ish. Um, where was I going with this? Um, I think I was defending being sober and that I just can't talk. Maybe I can't talk when I'm sober. I don't know. But hey, I'm so grateful for my listeners. And uh, it's been a great year. A lot of highs. Uh, really not not any lows as far as the podcast goes, at least. Um, it's just good stuff. Met a lot of great people. Uh, made some friends along the way and gained a lot of followers. Uh, Spotify alone. Uh, I either am just short, I'll, I'll check this number, how many people subscribe on Spotify, which is a, a number that's bigger than I thought, uh, 1,019 subscribers on Spotify, so I'm grateful for all of you, and by the way, Spotify is like a third of my audience, so I don't think I have that many more subscribers on Apple and other things, but I am very grateful for anyone who follows, listens, shares, uh, the podcast, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for all of you and I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa. I think that's this time of year. I'm not really knowledgeable on those things. And even if you're a Jehovah witness and don't celebrate any holidays, I hope you still enjoy your December. Uh, and, uh, 
if you don't listen to December 26th, I hope you have a happy new year as well. And uh, come back in 2023 refreshed with vigor. And you're ready for another season. The Jeff Macalino podcast. Uh, boom. It is over. <laughs>